Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, it's episode five of the Women's Running Podcast. This is our first lockdown podcast. A couple of weeks ago, we zoomed one of our favourites, Emma Campbell, otherwise known as Limitless M, all over Instagram. Emma is a breath of fresh air. She's an enthusiastic runner, a writer, a social media star, a mother of four and a three times cancer thriver. I first talked to Emma at the end of 2019 to interview her for the mag. At the time, I knew she had signed up to the London Marathon, like I had, and also that she'd been through a tough year with her third cancer diagnosis. At the end of that chat, I was so impressed with her story, with her running, and with her attitude to life that I asked her to be a columnist for Women's Running, and thankfully, she agreed. So now we're a few months down the road, and life is very different. We still haven't been for that glass of wine that we promised each other when we met up in March at the New Balance pub ahead of the London Marathon, We had a chat over Zoom instead, and she talks here about how she now feels like her and her body are finally on the same side. She discusses the importance of her friendship with Bryony Gordon and how that has helped her embrace running. She also told me how she met her husband. This is Dave the Carpet, but he's now known as Sober Dave. Yes, Peter Andre was involved, and yes, it's the romance of the century. I defy you not to weep. She also talks about homeschooling, finding community on Instagram, having healthy denial, and how she has now decided to be in the now. This episode of the Women's Running Podcast is sponsored by the lovely people at Lucy Lockett Loves, who have a treat for you. We have always loved Lucy Lockett Loves because it's not only the brains behind gorgeous activewear, it's also a supportive community for women runners just check out their Facebook group. The apparel is fantastic value and lovely. Leggings and crop tops in beautiful, vibrant colours and patterns that will nudge you out for a run whether you want to or not. All of it is created in thick, squat-proof fabric and the leggings have a lovely, deep, flattering waistband and proper pockets. We love a proper pocket. 
They also do a range of loungewear that are deliciously comfy and perfect for weekends and homeworking. I've just been sent a bundle of beautiful things from them and they are packaged so gorgeously too. A real treat to open, so they make a great gift for running buddies. But of course, you can just keep them for yourself, which is what I'm doing. And the treat? Lucy Lockett Loves is offering you an exclusive 10% off everything on the site. Just go to locketloves.com and enter the code WRPOD10 at the checkout. That's WRPOD10. Go now. Do it. Put some fun in your run. That hopefully works. I don't know. All right, I'm just going to squid you down there because I've got my notes here. I've been researching you. Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> you know everything. I think you literally, there's nothing I, know I have been delving. <laughs> don't worry, this is absolutely not going to be like a, a day to day examination of your life. This is a nice. I've got your ex partner here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Years. You haven't seen him in five years. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. Oh, God. No, it's all good. So, um, I guess I just wanted to know. Um, like, what have you been doing in lockdown? What's been going on? Um, eating a huge amount of chocolate. I mean, a shocking, shocking amount of chocolate. <laughs> um, weeping. <laughs> yeah. Weeping um, in the homeschooling kitchen that we've set up, um, tearing my hair out, but also really enjoying aspects of it, really enjoying the kind of feeling like the lack of pressure, feeling that we legitimately are not having to be here, there and everywhere. Um and I think very much lucky that I'm, I'm much more well this year than I was last year. I keep sort of counting my blessings. You know, last year I had my third diagnosis and was adjusting to new treatment. I was preparing for surgery. And I just feel so grateful that this year is a stable year in terms of my health. And there are no dramas currently. So that's a real blessing. So I, I feel quite well. I feel quite fit. And um, yeah, it's, it's been okay. Like all of us, I think good days and bad days. It's a real emotional roller coaster, isn't it? It it totally is. How's how's homeschooling going? It's not. It's a it's a struggle because I I I stopped being able to help them in reception year one. I think the triplets are in year five now. I mean, Jake, my sixteen year old, is just sleeps for twenty three hours of the day. Apparently, he has only one hour of schooling to do. So um, with the triplets, they're in year five, um, and it's a real it's a struggle. It is a real struggle. And they're very, you know, they're strong characters. Behavior isn't always the easiest, so it, it's not. I'm not finding it easy. I mean, it's just not my forte at all, and it's it's quite anxiety inducing. But what's been lovely, actually, I did last week because pre-lockdown, my running-wise, I was very much I'd become an early runner, even though I hate mornings. I've been I've become someone who surprisingly who runs quite early in the morning, mm-hmm. and actually what I've started doing in the last couple of weeks is when my when my homeschooling shift finishes about lunchtime I've just been going for a run straight after and that's just been heaven because it's you know it's kind of reset me then it's like right I've done the hardest bit of the day headphones on even if it's half an hour 40 minutes whatever and then come back and then it's like right you know it feels like my part of the day can begin because we're being quite relaxed you know we're letting them go on their screens in the afternoon but it really is if we can get through three solid hours of, of three-ish hours of homeschooling that's that's 
more than enough. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, I, I'm just getting into a routine now and that, that kind of hitting the road or hitting the park straight after is really working. I go from kind of rocking in a corner by the washing machine to kind of, yay, you know, take on the world again. Um, tell me about the cancer. Tell me when that all started and what's been going so on. That all started, so yeah, I was diagnosed nearly 10 years ago. So we're coming up to my anniversary decade, May, end of May 2010, um, breast cancer diagnosis um, as a single mum of four and um, quite brutal full-on treatment because I had a large tumour. And then five years later, first recurrence. And then last year, my third diagnosis. So last, but last year, so it's it's all been pretty heavy and scary at times but miraculously and incredibly each time I've responded really really well um the chemo's worked as well as it could have done surgery's gone as well as it could have done and right now this minute as I speak to you as far as I know I'm back in remission which is you know where I've spent a lot of the last 10 years you know I've had kind of like four-ish years in between each diagnosis which I've kind of got to the point now after so many dark years of, of such anxiety and depression um, and fear, I'm now almost at the point of, okay, well, if I spend the next 20 years having a blip every few years, I'll, I'll you know, I can kind of handle that because that's become, that's the pattern so far. So I'm just kind of bargaining with the universe that, you know, if I'm not lucky enough to remain in remission forevermore, at least if I if I can just put off each blip for as long as possible, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how, you know, that sounds quite glib and flippant. And obviously there are lots of really dark moments, but right now I'm in a good place. And I think, yeah, when I'm in a good place, I really, really appreciate being in a good place. Yeah. You know, I've, I've found those good places a lot, a lot easier to access than I used to. And I think a lot of that is coming to terms with the fact that you are a lifelong cancer patient. It's, but I think again, realizing how well my body does work for me, even though my body might, in inverted commas, have let me down on several several occasions, which isn't really how I look at it. But you could look at it like that: my body stopped working for me, the cells have stopped working in the way that they should. Mm. Actually, I've my body has also shown me that it's my best friend. You know that it's a responded incredibly to the treatment, um, and that I. I'm using my body in an amazing way, you know, with the, with the, whether it's a walk run, whether it's a jog, whatever you want to call it by getting out there. And it's just, that's been the game changer for me. I think just my body has become, it's all, I feel like we're on the same side, you know, so there may be this time last year, you know, when I was dealing with, we thought there was something in my lung. We knew that we, that I had new tumors in my other breast, but I really tried I sort of found a way last year of compartmentalizing. So rather than I am cancer or I have, it's like, okay, my, my boob has cancer. You know, my, my lung has cancer. We thought, luckily it didn't. But, you know, rather than, and, and then I found it, it's a way of separating. It's like my, my legs don't have cancer. Do you know what I mean? My yeah. legs that are currently running on the common don't have cancer. My heart doesn't. My, you know, and that, that's been a really helpful way for me to look at it. So it's just minimizing it as much as possible. And um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, the, the running has just shown me in so many ways that as long as my, as long as we, as I can keep going like this and my body can keep working with me, we're a good team. I run in phases over the years. 
but in a totally, totally, totally different way in very much, oh God, okay, I need to do something. You know, I need to, I feel really fat or I feel this or I feel that or, you know, I'm, and it would be very much, it was a punishment. It was very much, you know, I'd, I'd get that nice feel good feeling, that nice hot and sweaty feeling after a half an hour run around the common, but it really was a kind of, I've got to do this. I have to do this. I've got to do it because I'm feeling quite low or I can't stop eating or I hate my body or, you know, and now it's just, and it wasn't until last year. So really it's been something that maybe over the last 10, 20 years, I might do for a month or six weeks, every couple of years, and then it would just fall by the wayside again. Mm. Um, And huge difference at the beginning of last year, I think was meeting Bryony, who's now Bryony Gordon, who's now become a, great friend but by you know we met quite synchronistically we decided to go for a run together and that somehow was the right place it was almost like a relationship in the right place right time right person and we just clicked we clicked as friends but we clicked on a sort of running level in that I was newly diagnosed again you know neither of us are hugely fast we both were just as even though she's she's a marathon she's she's amazing but we both were happy and she kind of took, really took me under her wing and it just became very quickly this positive thing during a very, very difficult time. And it sounds corny, but I just, I got the bug, you know, I got the bug. And by June last year, June, July, when I went in for lung surgery, um, I was pretty much at the 10 K, you know, the morning of the morning of my lung hospital admission, admission to hospital for the lung surgery, we did our best. We did an amazing 10 K and I, I honestly felt euphoric. I will never forget that feeling. My hospital bag was packed. I was going in that evening. I knew it was going to be a really, really tough few weeks. And it was almost like, right, I'm right now I feel fine because I haven't had the surgery. You know, I feel okay. And I'm going to, we did this run and it was just, it was one of the most magical moments I think I've ever had. Yeah, I think meeting Bryony as I did, forming a friendship that initially was very much revolved around running and look, why don't we meet and have a little run? And she like, uh, you know, she took me under her wing. She really, I completely, what was so lovely. I think I surrendered. It was like, like all of us, there's so much going on in our lives. And I, you know, as a mum of four and finding that quite challenging a lot of the time and dealing with the health stuff and, you know, that kind of, you go into micromanaging mode and control mode and the kind of, and there was something about, and I'd always thought I'd hate to run with anyone because I'd always thought I wouldn't be able to have a conversation. I wouldn't want to. I'm not. I'm. But actually, it just. She, I just let her lead the way, and it was so lovely to kind of relinquish any kind of control. She, just. I just followed her lead, and it would be right. We're just going to walk for a minute. We're just going to run for a minute. We're just going to walk for a minute and a half. We're just going to run, and and we're just going to go left now. We're going to go right, and she really kind of just held me through it and in a way that's something that's happened with me in lots of areas of my life when crisis has has hit you know with my female friends in particular you kind of you have to surrender when life gets really tough sometimes life forces you to just go oh so whether it's going through chemo and your friends and family rally around and make the dinner for the kids or drop you at the hospital and with Bryony it was a similar in a much lovelier more uplifting way she took me under her running wing and made me feel that I could do it and slowly but surely I became a runner do you know what I mean and and but for what's interesting as well for a very long time in those first few months with her I decided that I couldn't run without you know I became like if if ever we had to cancel a a run 
I wouldn't run on my own. I was like, no, no, I can't run without you. I can't run without you. And then slowly but surely, I remember the first time last year going for a run on my own. It was like, okay, I can do it. I can do this. <laughs> and, you know, but it was all these baby steps. It was all these baby steps throughout last year. And that's the magical bit of it. And I think anyone I've spoken to, you know, now feeling part of this lovely community and, and reading the lovely articles in the magazine and kind of listening to podcasts and chatting to to runner friends and you and you realize that it really is um I've lost my train of thought key my brain um the community it really is it. yeah it kind of it creeps up on you so all of that feeling of I've got to do it, I've got to do it because I don't feel nice about myself or I want to lose weight or that, that's forget it I don't and it's not about it's not really about the distance it's just about getting out there and just putting one foot in front of the other and and before you know it, those miles and kilometres have, have, are behind you and you're racking them up. And that's, that's, that was the difference. It's like, oh, my God, I have just run 5K. But it didn't seem to matter as I was doing it. As we were getting to that couch to 5K bit, I wasn't really, I wasn't really bothered. You know, it was just that we were out. And now, yeah, and now kind of I feel like it's very much an established part of my life. I do... I'm pushing myself a little bit more, you know, like I would love to get down to a 5k in 30 minutes. I still haven't managed that, but it's okay. There's no, and you know, even on those recent days where I think, Oh, I don't feel like going out today. I've just decided to, I'm just going to go out for 45 minutes and it doesn't matter how much or how little I do. I'm kind of at the moment toying with that idea. If I go out for an hour, it doesn't matter if I walk half of it rather than I'm going to go out and run 10k or 8k, you know, um, but it just never fails to to give give me the biggest boost, you know. But you went and and you went from um, sort of couch to five k sort of person to a yeah. training for the London Marathon. Sort for the of. London Marathon, yeah. So last year went from kind of not being able to run for a minute or two minutes to then five k, then seven k, ten k. About six months in, we did the vitality did the vitality ten k in my underwear, like in your pants. Did yeah. You- yeah yeah um, which was incredible terrifying amazing um and then two big big operations so kind of the latter half of last year was quite there was a lot of surgery and then recovery so I had to, you know I took a step back but the so the lung surgery we then started looking at the Great South Run so by August I was back running again and in October I think it was October the 10th we did the Great South Run and that's my longest ever you know that was at that point 10 that 10 mile run was just amazing um and I remember again you know last autumn saying god wouldn't it be funny if I if I did the marathon tried to do the marathon and ha ha wouldn't that be wouldn't that be crazy and then um yeah was Brian already signed up at that point she was signed up and um having done the, the yeah yeah she was signed up she was doing it and it was it was really gutting this year you know we know that in the scheme of things the cancellation isn't the end of the world but I did have a bit of a wobble for a week or so because I think it was such a positive it was going to be such an incredibly positive part of my year and it felt again after last year and the kind of life had gone off track again in so many ways it was going to be it felt like this anchor it felt like okay whatever else happens this year I'm going to run the marathon unless they chop my legs off you know I'm going to run the marathon so the last thing of course we expected was a was a global pandemic um so you know I had to get my head around that I did feel a bit flat for a while because suddenly I was like well, what what am 
you know, I need, I need, I think having, having been blindsided on several occasions by, by health stuff, by cancer, I kind of, you know, I'm someone who wants to feel that they're moving forward in life and, and working towards something. And, but hopefully October, hopefully October the 4th will. So has that, so what are you doing with your training? Um, so I'm just kind of taking it right back down. I'm just trying to get out. I mean, I get out probably, you know, I am technically, it's been a funny one. So for a few weeks, I didn't really do very much at all. Um, I've technically been on the vulnerable list as a cancer patient. Um, but I spoke to my my team, my oncologist, and I've just been really, really sensible. So going for early runs, obviously keeping my distance, um, running on my own, really missing my runs with Bryony. But um, so, yeah, but just kind of going out like four, four-ish times a week, maybe every other day um, for about, I'm doing kind of like six, seven K, you know, four-ish times a week, three, four times a week. Um, and that feels, that feels all right. You know, it feels daunting the thought of having to build back up again. Um, yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> the I got in training just before lockdown, we got, to, I got to the 13, you know, the half, half marathon. And that was, that was brilliant. Um, but I haven't got beyond that. So, mm. but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll just ramp it up again slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, what I was going to ask about was, well, fitting running in with parenting, but I mean, you, you've been talking about that a bit, but I mean, right now, like the questions that we ask runners now is, I mean, we used to sort of say, how do you fit your running around your family life? But now more yeah. than ever, it's, you know, how do you manage to scrape back that time for yourself when you're supposed to be homeschooling, when you're supposed to be all things? I know. And you have four children I know, I know. And I think the thing is, I think it's like anything, it's what feels like the most important thing to you. And it's become very, very, very high on my list. Um, and it's the one thing that I, and this, you know, I'm very aware that this phase I'm in might not last. I might, you know, in six months time, you're thinking, God, I've just lost it. I, but right now I'm, I'm this, the momentum is maintaining itself of my overriding desire to, to get out there. Um, whereas you know, I'm a writer, but I'm not, I'm struggling to write at the moment. You know, I'm, I've got these other sort of things I want to be doing and I'm procrastinating and I'm, oh, any, any, I'm tidying up rather than sit at the computer screen. But when it comes to running right now, I think because the benefits are so immediate and so instant and so reliable that it's a no brainer to me. Um, and it is because we're all in lockdown, you know, the kids are older, they're not babies. Um, you know, and if I think back to, all my years as a single mum with very young children, of course I wouldn't be, there's no way I'd be, I wouldn't be able to step outside the front door at the moment. I'm very lucky. I've got a fantastic husband. We're very good at giving each other the time that we need and the kids are older. So I can definitely find that time and it's pretty much the only real me time. So I'm very, very protective of it. And yeah, it's, it's becoming more and more of an, of an important part of my life. So I feel I will nourish it and, you know, and at the end of the day, it's half an hour, isn't it? It's 40 minutes. And yeah, so it's the one, it's probably the one thing I'm not procrastinating on really. I'm eating a huge amount of chocolate. You know, I'm loving lazy mornings. I'm slopping around, I'm sitting here now having not cleaned my teeth and I'm in my pajamas and, you know, bed hair. But, but it's the funny thing because it's all, we're all sort of higgledy piggledy with our times and our schedules at the moment. You know, when you go for an early morning run and you come back, you jump in the shower, then you're set up for the day. 
and then you get on with your day. And I'm finding at the moment that I might kind of homeschooling aside, my my day might begin at three or four in the afternoon. So I'll come back, have a shower, I might put some makeup on. It's like, right. And it's like, oh, actually now I'm going to start cooking dinner. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but yeah, I am, I am managing to fit it in. I'm making it, I am making sure I fit it in, you know, just I'm much nicer and much less snappy and irritable when I get back as well. Oh, I hear that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and you mentioned the writing. Tell me about the writing. So you, you wrote a book. So, so I wrote a book. My book came out 18 months ago. It was a memoir. Um, and um, that was a lifelong ambit. I mean, that was just a wonderful, wonderful um, opportunity to, to be asked to write a book. Um, I'm hoping to write another. Well, I, I will write another one. We, we, we're, my husband and I are working on a proposal together. Um, for a book we don't know yet whether that's going to we hope that it that it happens Um, we're wanting to write about the partner's perspective of he had an alcohol dependency so he's been sober for 18 months I've so I've been the partner of someone who drinks too much he's been the partner of someone with cancer so they're big issues that, that touch a lot of people and we really feel that the partner's perspective could have more of a focus so we're, we're that's our kind of plan at the moment um and I also because you've mentioned Dave um I wanted to ask you about lovely Dave because yes. I've seen I mean you post on Instagram recently a fantastic photograph of you holding hands with Peter Andre and behind you yes Dave, Dave. I know what that photograph is tell me the story behind that right well it's it's all I'm not I'm not plugging the book but it's I've written about it very in the in the book it's a lovely it's it's it is has has to be probably the one of it is an amazing love story um so sort of six ish years ago yeah six years ago my best friend I was in remission as far as I you know the cancer hadn't come back at that point um the, the kids were like growing up and kind of life was stabling balancing out um but I was still very much single mom in a scruffy house no real budget for any kind of home improvements and um and yeah I came home one day and Peter Andre was on my <laughs> doorstep as were the neighbours the choir that I used to sing in rock choir I the camera crew the team of handyman uh, handymen um and that was Dave the carpet as he was then known so he was the resident carpet fitter on the show when the show was aired six months later um very exciting got all the neighbors in you know it was just it was just so exciting and Dave sent me a little tweet a message on Twitter that day hi Em hi Em I just wanted to say hello we love doing your show you know how I hope you're well and and we just started sort of chatting a little bit of a few exchanges here and there and then that gradually you know there was a nice little bit of flirty banter going on and life eh just just as we were sort of planning our first date I was re-diagnosed for the first time so I was told my cancer had come back and the day that that happened I said to him we hadn't even spoken on the phone at that point but I said look I'm not well again let's leave you know we can't obviously that changes everything and he said no no I'd still love to meet you we met the next day been together ever since oh so he is incredible I mean he he you know what I can't even imagine being, you know, he was divorced. He was a single guy with one grown up son living a nice, neat and tidy life, you know, in his neat and tidy home. And he met a woman who had, you know, now secondary breast cancer, five year old feral triplets. 
<laughs> and the young soon to be teenager. Um, you know, it's a lot of a lot of stuff for him to kind of. Uh, that was a crazy world for him to step into, and he did um, with incredible courage and strength and love and open arms. Um, but then, you know, and he he's fantastic. But then we we have then gone through our own struggles because I haven't realised that he drank too much, and um, so that became another issue in our marriage, along with my anxiety about my health and my recovery and the kids and whole lot of stuff um in a very short space of time but he gave up drinking like I said at the beginning of last year a week before my third diagnosis so again the timing I mean it was incredible you know I literally a week before I started having all these new tests and um he made a decision because our marriage was was really in a bad way you know we, we wouldn't have been able to carry on um as things were and he gave up and then I was diagnosed again and if ever there's a time where you want to pick up a drink, you can imagine if your partner's newly diagnosed again. Um, and he didn't. He hasn't faltered. He's incredible. And he's now left behind his Dave the Carpet persona. And he's Sober Dave. Yeah. Sober Dave on Instagram. And yeah, he's he's found a whole new way of living and a whole new lease of life and couldn't be prouder of him. You know, and it doesn't mean it's always easy. And we, you know, like all of us, there's family life is hard isn't it mm. um but we've come through so much um so you know I was very very lucky to have him in my life very proud of him and so uh you are limitless m and he is sober dave yeah yeah both kind of instagram superstars what <laughs> well he's i mean he's just like yeah what Sorry. i was going to ask about social media what it means to you how you got into it well i think Yes, I think for me, because I was never really on social media, and I think it's a, it's been quite life changing as well in a in a crazy way. You know, I'm a middle aged mum, but Instagram in particular, I'm not really on any of the others. Instagram has played a huge part in healing, sort of changing the way I deal with my my cancer status. I've gone from being someone feeling like the only person, you know, feeling very isolated feeling all in my head, fear, catastrophic thoughts, you know, living in this paralyzed kind of state really, to stepping tentatively into a world of, I found my community, you know, I found my, but I found it in a way that's right for me. So, you know, when I was first diagnosed 10 years ago, you know, I was a young mum and it was very much kind of, right, you know, Emma, there's a, there's a support group on a Tuesday afternoon at the hospital for, young mums with cancer or whatever and why don't you wander along and it's like I don't want to go and sit in a room with other people it's too frightening I didn't want to sit in a circle I didn't want to talk I didn't want to hear other stories and Instagram is just I think whatever if you find your your certainly not I'm not going to use the tribe word if you find your community if you find like-minded people it it's feels like an incredibly safe loving space I've never experienced negativity on there I just I share very openly and honestly my, you know, the goods and the bads health wise and then all, all of it really. Um, and, and I've been so inspired and encouraged by seeing mainly women, the women that I follow who are living despite, you know, difficult prognosis, a difficult prognosis. They are living bravely and boldly and showing their vulnerability, showing their, 
successes and their knockbacks and it's just made me every single day it reminds me that I can do that too and so joining forces with kind of com- the combination of the, the incredible support I found of the physical and mental benefits of the running is just I feel like I sound really gushy but it has been transformative and I feel like almost like a different person because I look back at those years you know four five six seven years ago and I wasn't living you know I was technically well but I it's heartbreaking for me to look I can barely look back at that time I wasn't present as a mum I was I held back I was so scared of leaving them that it was almost like I I think I know I bonded I bonded them all I was I'm a loving nurturing mum but I think I wasn't present I spent so long not being present not fully engaging a because it's bloody hard you know and I think we're all guilty of not you know because you it's just too much and it's so intense and parenthood whether you've got one two three or four but I think my fear was always at the forefront of my mind that I wasn't going to be here for them and you know and unfortunately things with their dad very difficult so he's currently absent he's not in their their lives so this feeling I'm going to leave the kids they're going to be you know what's going to happen stop me from being the mum that I long to be and because in the last few years I've somehow because I've had bad news again it's not like the cancer stayed away but somehow it's just that incredible thing you re, you know I've I've changed the way I handle it and the fear has become so manageable now and it doesn't mean that if I was going for a scan tomorrow you know which I am due another scan in a few when all of this you know lockdown eases I'm I'm due a scan and I know that I will struggle and I'll probably have quite a a low week and I'll probably be quite weepy and fearful and I've got to pray that everything is okay and I'm not pretending at all that I don't sit in the waiting room at the hospital feeling anxious but somehow it's just different it's different before and it's and it's there's something in me that's just become much more resilient and much more I have a belief now that I will manage whatever comes my way. And I think I lived for so many years not feeling like that, just feeling like I was about to be blindsided again, you know, on red alert. And so really you're not living, you're just kind of surviving and you're just getting through and it's a tragic waste, you know, and now I'm just so determined to eke out every good week, every good year, every, you know, every, every good bit (laughs) So where has that strength come from? What would, what do you put that down to? I think it has come from, I think it's come from maybe acceptance, maybe, you know, in a long-term situation, you know, it's the hardest thing I've ever gone through. So 10 years on, inevitably, I guess there has to be some like the phases of anything, grief, loss, there's acceptance comes eventually, doesn't it? So I guess, and it's not, I don't mean acceptance that I'm not going to be here because I've never been you know, I'm a secondary breast cancer patient, but I've been very lucky so far in that my recurrences have been localized. You know, I mean, I'm, as far as I know, I'm in a good place. I I haven't been told anything too awful so far. I mean, I don't ask questions about prognosis, you know, timelines and things, but I think it, so I think acceptance, I think hugely, hugely practicing gratitude where I can and focusing, like I said earlier, minimizing the cancer as much as possible and maximizing the amount of energy I give to the things in my life that are working, appreciating my body when it, when it's working for me, when I'm pounding the pavements, I honestly, without sounding 
corny I there's never a run that goes by where I don't think oh my god look 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 how well you know so I've managed to find a very positive dialogue you know that internal dialogue has shifted from being naturally very negative to naturally much more positive because I know how powerful the words I choose to use are the you know the words I I think our vocabulary is very very powerful and I choose to not attach myself to those labels of a, you know, incurable cancer. I, I don't really talk about having stage four cancer. I just don't find the language very helpful. And in some ways, years ago, I think I spent so much time in denial to a very detrimental point where I put my fingers in my ears and I would ignore symptoms and I wouldn't go to the doctor and I wouldn't. And that was really unhealthy denial. But in a way now, I feel like it's almost become a, that was unhealthy denial. <laughs> and now I've almost got a healthy form of denial where I know what my label is, but I choose not to attach myself to it because it doesn't help me. I don't feel better for sort of constantly describing myself as someone who on paper might have an incurable disease. I just think I'm living with it. I am living the best life I can. I have really tough days. Life has all the other issues that it has in it. But by some miracle, I found a way of, of living with a diet, uh, you know, being a long-term cancer patient. So to answer your question, you know, it's definitely the world I've, the, the connections I've made through Instagram have been incredibly enhancing. And I think finding a way of working with my body, can, it's connection, isn't it, in life? And it's seeing the heartbreak that someone else goes through and then the thri- the thriving, you know, and mm. the, the, the way women in particular, the, you know, the, way we are with each other and the the connection the authenticity and the vulnerability I remember with Bryony on about our third or fourth run I met her on the you know we used to meet on a particular corner by our kids schools and I was in the middle of a very tearful emotional conversation with my, with my dad it was all very um, you know it was just a horror everything was just so heightened I wasn't well I was there was all these it was financial stuff I was and I just sobbed I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed within minutes of her. She walked across the road, obviously saw my face. We were heading out for a run. And she said, right, no, we're just going to walk. And I was crying. And, and we, you know, you can't not bond when, when you, we'd only known each other a few weeks, but only met a handful of times. And you just, the relationship very quickly mm. is deepened and, and strengthened. And either you, you've, you've, that friendship's going to sustain or it's not. We might've found that we would have just then gone our own way, but actually, you know, that relationship's become hugely important to me. Um, so it really is, it's connection, it's it's letting yourself be vulnerable, letting yourself be held in, in any way and just trusting, trusting that, you know, I've come this far, I've done this well so far, I'm just going to keep going and I want to live. I would love to think, and I've thought about this a lot recently, if I think back to the Emma, the Emma of 10 years ago and how, breaks my heart how utterly terrified I was and crippled with this fear that I was going to die and this red alert and the energy and the adrenaline of all all the dysfunctional ways you know running on adrenaline just thinking I'm not thinking and I as much as I could be reassured by my oncologist you're okay come on you know I, 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 I was in this spiral that I couldn't get out of and I would love to think now that I'm not trying to put myself in any kind of shining light or platform, but 
I wish I'd known. I wish I'd had access to what I've got access to now. I wish I'd had access to a, a social media platform like Instagram to the community that I now feel such a part of. And it would have it probably would have, I would have handled it in, 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 in a much less painful way. And you can't go back, but I just, if I could, you know, I just would want to tell any, anyone newly diagnosed or a, a mum or, you know, a single, you know, I was a single mum and just that they'll be okay. You know, it's that virtual handholding that you'll be okay and not look at me, you know, not look at, because, and there are no guarantees for any of us, but right now I'm okay. And that's, that's what I've, that's one of the big lessons and the, the, one of the phases I'm in now that feels so much more positive is that I bring it back to the now and it's right now this minute I'm okay yeah and that's that's I never I was always yeah I'm the op- I was always the opposite it was like right now I'm okay I might be in remission now but what about next week what about next month and that's that's the shift I was always one foot in the future and that future was very dark whereas now this minute okay I'm going to be able to finish my lovely chat with you I can put my leggings on I can go for a run or a walk or whatever and right now this minute I'm okay I'm at the hospital next week but it's okay you know it's just I hope that doesn't sound too kind of because it's annoying I know when you're not in that place it can sound quite sort of glib but it's right. taken me a long time to get it and a lot of darkness and a lot of but it, it is as a result of connecting and observing the incredible strength in other people and being in awe of their strength and resilience and slowly but surely that finding my own I think I was going to say do you recognize that strength and resilience yeah I think I do and it's I I've, another thing I've thought about a lot lately is in those early years after as, a, as as after recovering the first time round and really trying to you know cope with everything and dealing with a lot of emotional dramas with with their with their dad and just all sorts of trauma. And I remember having, I saw a lovely therapist for quite a long time and she always used to say to me, um, I want, and she'd kind of get me to repeat it after her, you know, she'd say, Emma, I want you to say, you know, whatever happens, I will handle it. And, and she'd get me to say it, but it would almost be laughable because I think I absolutely didn't believe that. I absolutely, I would, hum- it was almost like I was humoring her because fundamentally my feeling was I won't, but I won't. If I get a new diagnosis, if I'm told I've got, a, I won't handle it. I won't handle it. this perpetual panic. And I think that's the huge thing I've realized in recent months. It's like, oh, I, I will. I've gone from being someone who thought they wouldn't and couldn't to someone who knows that they will and they can. Mm-hmm. And they have done. I can and I will handle it. And it, but that's for me. You know, if I think of anything happening to my kids, you know, that's a whole. For me, this is about this is me handling what's thrown at me as Emma, maybe as a, maybe as a cancer patient or as a, you know, I, I, I probably yet to apply that to a loved one or you know. But so I can see my progress and that, and then naturally your belief in yourself elevates and your confidence and your resilience and. But yeah, it's not been a it's been a decade coming. Yeah, but you yeah, know. It, in the meantime, you um, you joined in with Celebrate You, didn't you? With the I mean, as you you were talking about running the Vitality Ten K in your pants. Yeah. Um, was that through Bryony? Was that that was through that was through Bryony, and I wasn't part of the at that point. Um, so that was last year, and I wasn't part of the the gang with the you know with our with the n- names on their knickers and things like that. But she absolutely said 
come on, you can, you can do this. And I, and I had no intention of running in my underwear, always been quite body conscious and just not, not made that way. And it was on the very morning I said to Dave, oh, shall I just, shall I just do it? Shall I? And I rummaged around and I found some black Primark knickers, you know, <laughs> three-year-old and big enough, you know, kind of granny wasted high. And I did it. I ran it in my underwear and I lost, I mean, this is the thing I can't believe. And I don't even know if I'd want to do it again because it, you know, it was very out of my comfort zone. But I remember losing, you know, Bryony was running Giovanna and, and Jada and Sharifa and amazing gang. And they were obviously all kind of, and somehow no one left me behind, but somehow I lost them as one does, you, you know, when you're running and everyone sets off. And I ended up running the whole thing on my own in my knickers and thinking, what the hell? And it was quite terrifying. You know, it was terrifying. But bloody hell. I mean, talk about out, out of my comfort zone, you know, really and truly out of my comfort zone, but amazing. And then this year we were due, weren't we, to, we were due to do it again this year. And um, again, unfortunately, it's hopefully just been postponed, not cancelled. Yeah. But the, I mean, just the way, the way in which you're talking about everything you've been through in the last, what, 10, 11 years. 10 um, years, yeah. And the way you are now and the way that you talk about yourself 10 years ago, it sounds like you're like a changed person, but like you're completely transformed. I, I, I feel like in so many ways I am. And maybe that's not me being any... It's just that I, I guess without getting the violins out, I have been through an extraordinary amount in in a decade. I mean, and before that, without making you want to not eat your lunch, Jake, my eldest son, was um, he's nearly 17. And when he was born, I caught something called necrotizing fasciitis, which is a flesh-eating bug. Mm. So I nearly died having Jake. And it's funny, I almost forget about, you know, and I had, it was, it's like a horror movie. It basically, you, you're kind of, more often than not you die or you lose a limb or it's a, it literally is a flesh eating bug. And it, I, I had an emergency C-section and then within 48 hours was sort of hovering between life and death and lost all the flesh on my stomach, had huge amounts of reconstructive surgery. So that was a huge tra- physical trauma that had happened, but I've almost kind of, I've disconnected from that now because that cancer then came, you know, um, mm. and kind of took, took the lead. But I think, I guess, it's strengthened me hugely. I don't know if I was a very, I don't want to say I wasn't a strong person, but I certainly didn't have access or know how to tap into my resilience before this. I look back at my twenties, my thirties, I was, yeah. And I wrote about this a lot in my book. I think the anxiety I now look back because our generation, you know, one of my, one of my kids, one of the triplets is quite highly anxious and, but as a result, we're kind of finding ways of supporting him with that. And we're, you know, we're really, it's something that is on my mind a lot. And I'm doing everything I can to kind of help him with that. And this isn't any negativity towards my parents, but I now look back and realise what a highly anxious child I was, but there was no language or vocabulary around it. Mm. But I realised, oh, actually, I think I had maybe some issues that may have, might have been given a label if this was now. Um, so for, for whatever reason, I think I just was naturally someone who was very fearful, naturally worried about everything, catastrophized and suffered from anxiety, you know, very low confidence, um, shy, timid, didn't ever put myself forward for anything, you know, and I guess it is the life events of the last 10 years that has tapped into the quality, the strengths that we all have. 
and some are more prominent than others at different points in their lives and I, in life. And I guess mine, I'm a late, I've, I think I've always been a late developer, <laughs> you know, um, I'm, but in a way that's okay. Cause I think I just, that's why I feel so passionate about, I feel like I've got so much time to make up for because I drifted through so many years holding myself back, not believing in myself. And now I know how, precious life is and I want to be not annoying with it not crazy with it not not acknowledging the difficult times I'm not Pollyanna I don't it's not about skipping along in the daisies but realizing that through all the adversity there is so much magic to be found and the more you focus on that magic the the more prominent it becomes and I just want to live this valuable life you know I want to live I, it's not because I think I'm not going to be here in a year or six years or 10 years. It's because I know how, you know, I nearly lost it on so many occasions. And I'm one of the lucky ones, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. I, I'm a breast cancer patient who's 10 years on. And that isn't, that isn't the case for, for lots of women and anyone with a cancer diagnosis. And I'm can't believe my luck. I feel incredibly, incredibly lucky. And I think from what I understand, I think if, if you're someone who can tune into your that gratitude, I think I think that's the key. I think that's the key to to a successful life, emotional life. Almost is realizing your good fortune and acknowledging it and expanding on that. And I think everything else then finds a way of taking care of itself. Obviously, it goes without saying. It doesn't mean that there aren't really low times and and weepy times and fearful times, but. I've got tools in my toolbox that I didn't have, maybe. Maybe that's a really concise, neat and tidy way of saying it. So how do you, I mean, we're living in such weird times, right? Yeah. During yeah. lockdown, it's all very, very strange. Um, it's impacted so much on everyone's mental health, I think. Um, and as runners, we have one particular tool in our toolbox. Yeah. But I know that we need to use others in order to, to kind of, to cope. Mm. Um, what what other things do you use then if, in, in the I've been, yeah uh, my the other tools during this time in particular mm. um I I do I am someone who needs sort of peace and solitude so um I will disappear into our bedroom you know which is uh, you know <laughs> sort of lock myself in there and I, I, I need quiet time I need I need silence <laughs> you know I um I've been listening. I mean, I'm really in recent weeks, in particular, in particular in this time, I've been listening to anything I can get my, rather than music, I've been listening to podcasts and audio books that make me feel good and even meditate, you know, and it's hard to always feel in a place of gratitude when it comes to mopping the floor for the 10th time in a day. So it's just so important that we, we have, we find our little bit of space. And I feel very, very lucky that I've got a nice bedroom that, uh, you know, fairly newly decorated bedroom that I can go to. And and because Dave and I, again, very aware that if I was a single mum now, I'd be it would be very very different. And if the kids were younger, but I'm very lucky to have a partner where we kind of tag team, you know, and we know how crucially important it is to give each other to both have some space and quiet time. Um, my kids are still very much kind of mum mum mum, you know, they still follow me around like a magnet. But yeah, I think it's just just gathering little bits of space 20 minutes here half an hour there and a bath hot baths you know it's those it's, I'm a creature comforts it's candles and baths and chocolate and 
coziness. It's all the things that have always kept me going, really. And, and what have you missed while you've been in lockdown? What are you looking forward to getting when, you, when, you, when, you, when this is all over? What are you going to do? My, my girlfriends, I think the kind of meeting a girlfriend for a glass of wine on a Tuesday evening and, you know, something to eat. Um, I would, there were some lovely um, things coming up for me before lockdown, some sp- lovely speaking. You know, I, I love sharing my story. I love talking to you like this or in any, any of this kind of the panel talks. I'm, you know, the, I want to get back on track with um, all the positive plans I had for this year. So, yeah, those running, those real running goals doing the marathon um, and just sort of feeling that ambition again and feeling like, yeah, you know, this year's taken us all by surprise. We've, there are lots and lots of positives on a personal level that have, uh, that have emerged from it, the quiet, the sort of coming together, the connect, the family relationships. Um, but I'm also kind of, you know, there's lots I want to do. There's lots of time, like I said, that kind of fulfilling my potential, I think you know, um, and connecting and sharing and giving people hope and being an example of someone who has been in the depths of blackness and despair and fear who has slowly but surely found a way, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's my kind of passion, really. Oh, I love that woman. You know how some people are basically wise? That's M, right there. I am so chuffed to have her as part of the women's running team, and now you know why. Check out Limitless M on Instagram and find her book in bookshops everywhere. It's called All That Followed, A Story of Cancer, Kids and the Fear of Leaving Too Soon. At Women's Running, we want to inspire you to run, whether you've never run before or you're training for your fifth ultramarathon. We think that women who run need a space for themselves, and we want to be that. Every month, we talk all things running and all things women. From training plans for specific distances to interviews with incredible runners, ideas on how to improve your running and remain injury-free, to delicious recipes to fuel your running and tons of advice on women's health. The easiest way to get hold of a copy is to go to our online shop at shop womensrunning.co.uk or you could get it delivered direct to your door or to your inbox every month by subscribing you can buy the digital edition at pocketmags.com or download the app to your phone or tablet through your app store for all the different ways to read the magazine go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk do join us we would love to have you with us happy running are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.